Good morning. So, hello there in Toronto and uh, um, Zephyr. Karen, are you in? Are Karen, are you in Zephyr? Oh, that's great. Okay, that's three locations. We'll almost have four. Okay, good. Well, good morning. Good morning. And uh, this is this is uh, day two of a uh, little mini retreat uh, on the uh, Paramita. So uh, today, uh, uh, as you probably guessed, would be Sila, and uh, we'll start with some preliminary uh, practices and, and uh, prayers. So wonderful for you to join us and. Um, uh, feel free when appropriate, whenever that is, uh, to uh, ask questions. Uh, so it'd be great. So we've got we have two sessions today. It's uh, turned on. So from the uh, Drikong uh, prayer book, some preliminary prayers of aspiration and. Uh, Motivation intent for a liberation for all sentient beings. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles in my path of liberation. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I'll quickly establish in this day the most perfect and precious Buddha. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles in my path of liberation. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I'll quickly establish in this day the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who me, and those who create obstacles awesome path of liberation, enemies, may they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I quickly establish in this day the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. And the activity of, um, of Bodhicitta, thus until I achieve enlightenment, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. Until death, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. And from now until this time tomorrow, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. And uh, refuge. Sangi chota, soki chota, mlaj and rubadu, tagi, kapsuji, dagi, tenso, gipa, sonam, gi, droa, panja, sangi, drupa, shok. And the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, most excellent. To take refuge in enlightenment is reached by the marriage, generosity, and other good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. And the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, most excellent. I take refuge in enlightenment is reached by the marriage, generosity, and other good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. And now the four immeasurables, the four limitless um, uh, great emotions. May all mother sentient beings balance the sky of happiness and the cause of happiness. May they be liberated from suffering, the cause of suffering, and may they never be separated from the happiness which is free from sorrow. And may they rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. Good. Great way to start. Can you hear me over there in uh, in Ontario? Yes. Okay, is it good? That sounds clear. That's great. That's great. Uh, so uh, to give a, uh, a preamble to to Sila, um, you have a handout. So we're we're now in number two of the um, of the paramitas of, of that which liberates and and helps one cross over. Can you hear me this morning? Are you able to hear me this morning? Yes, I can. Okay, Thank great. great. <clears throat> What's your name again? Sandy. That's right, Sandy. 
So let's let's look at the word uh, sila. Start with that. And the usual translation. If we go to the Pali dictionary, the usual translation. It's interesting, he says it's interesting, to, or they say it's interesting to note that um, the root sil uh, is connected also to samadhi. And you see that in the Sanskrit too, which is, which is meditative concentration. So it, it is always connected that if there is no sila, there's no uh, ethics, then uh, mental concentration is extremely difficult. But then we see that, that um, in its normal meaning, is, which is beautiful, and because it's almost always translated which is fine, as morality, as ethics, um, as right conduct. That's the standard uh, um, uh, translation. But if you look at the dictionary, you see actually its inner meaning. It means nature, one's nature. And it also means character, habit, behavior. Or being uh, sila, s, uh, it's a little different in Sanskrit, s, uh, long i, la in Pali, s, long i, L-A, and in Sanskrit it just has a, a stroke over the S, which is a sh. So, shila or sila. And, and um, sila, or shila, means actually, uh, literally, uh, the, uh, a being of such a character. So for those in, in Ontario, we just finished a mini-retreat uh, for three days on karma. And one of the um, uh, habits, if you wish, of people who hear the word karma or conditioning or causality, especially when it comes to ethics, is uh, it's very popular. And also, the Buddha taught this too in a pedestrian way to the normal populace, it, because it's so difficult to understand, and we see this in the questions that are asked in class, is tell me what the action should be. And actually, it's not the action, it's the motivation intent. So I've been, I think if I said this about a hundred times in the last <laughs> three days, because even the questions that get asked keep repeating this, is that what's the action? Actually, the action uh, will follow from the mental, um, mental physical, nama rupa, um, intent or motivation. Once that's straightened out, the uh, action is easy. It must follow to be wholesome. It must follow to be unwholesome. So that's very important. So the Buddha, as the Buddha said a number of times in suttas, the Buddha was more interested in character of a being, the nature of being, a noble character, than a prescribing action. And this is why the Buddha never made the uh, order, the Sangha, the monastic order, vegetarian. And the reason, he says, you have to work that out for yourself. And all kinds of rules, work that out for yourself. Work that out for yourself. Uh, so uh, this is this is um, essential uh, to understand. And then if we go, we turn to the Sanskrit, which is a very good weightlifting exercise. <laughs> if I had a Sanskrit brain implant, uh, well, we wouldn't need a body. A joke. <laughs> where, where did Sila go?
So in the Sanskrit dictionary, we see uh, meanings such as habit, um, the habit, the custom, the usage, the natural or acquired way of living, of a way of living. So everything about our life, uh, this is essential. These are some key points to meditate on, because this is a retreat, so you, you take it away and you really read it and contemplate it, is everything in our life flows from our habit patterns. Everything. Whatever our habit patterns are is how our life uh, is shaped and developed and grows. So we have to actually straighten out, clear, clear up, clean, uh, our mental intent and our behavior, not to some prescribed action. Although the five precepts are really clear about a basic five actions, five activities, or the ten wholesome, but is to actually understand our motivation uh, through awareness to actually uh, make a very, very good life, and which, of course, makes a great spiritual path. We either have words like uh, for sila, disposition, a tendency, again, nature, the way one is predisposed or disposed of, disposed, to go about uh, one's life. So this is why the Buddha was on about developing a noble Arya, a uh, Arya, which is um, a very old word, which means nobility, but it doesn't refer to a station in life, it refers to a character uh, of being. It's uh, very important. So then later on, you see things like integrity, morality, virtue, piety, moral conduct. So when we mean moral conduct, we mean ethics. We actually mean um, habit patterns of the mind, which are reflected in the total character of the speech and the body of an individual being, which also affects the entire society. This is really important. So this is why uh, in, in Buddha Dharma, especially, there has been such emphasis on what people call morality, which when someone doesn't have an understanding of, of karma, you give them rules. Lots of rules. Don't do this and do this and do this and do this. This is lack of understanding, which is normal. We even see this among many Buddhists. Just tell me what to do. had some administrative assistants who've done the same thing, who said, just tell me what to do. No, no, you figure it out. I want to see what you do. Notice, tell me what to do. Okay? I'd like to see what you do. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be interesting? See what you do. So the fearful being, the fearful individual, wants a rule. The, the more relaxed person who's using their intelligence using their intelligence, because beings are very intelligent, right? then has the ability to actually understand and look at their habit pattern and say, oh, this habit pattern is wonderful, or this habit pattern is compassion, or this habit pattern causes uh, uh, illness, causes ill will. So in that sense, moral conduct is a good translation. In that sense, ethics is a good translation. In that sense, uh, life conduct, uh, uh, full conduct, is, is a very good translation because we have to get uh, to it. But we also have to understand this is the complete change of one's character into a being of dignity, 
uh, which we, we went through yesterday, dignity and nobility, uh, uh, richness uh, of character. There, you'll see in the, in the Tibetan tradition, uh, they uh, took one of the meanings of sila, which is hard to find. You have to really look for it, um, which means um, cool, salani, a cool room. So in the Tibetan, you'll see that the actual, see some of the listing of the meanings is coolness. So when you're uh, ethically um, uh, well endowed, then the being goes with coolness instead of uh, putting fires, uh, creating fires, bur burning, burning, burning. And we'll see that the word, uh, the root, sil, which is a, which is a minor root, uh, means actually to practice, to repeatedly practice. Isn't that beautiful, actually? So in, in, in the word sila, uh, there is actually a root, which is to repeatedly practice, to engage in. It says, if you understand this, then you go, okay, now I understand ethics. Ethics is to engage in what is wholesome and to uh, decrease that which is unwholesome. Should it work? Are you are you hearing all that in? Um, yes, yeah. yes, very clearly, yes. Oh, great. I think Laurel's now on. Let's see if we can call her. I might have actually dropped the others off. Hello, Laurelita. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good, good. We've already started a little bit. What? Yeah, I guess the time zone uh, is a little different then. I guess so. I was informed it was at 5 o'clock. It's 3 o'clock here now. Okay. Well, I have everyone coming over at 5. All right. Well, I could always do another class. No, that's okay for me. I'll just, um, uh, we'll just continue on and we'll talk about it after. Okay, do you, want to, do you want to join us? Yes, of course. Okay, so st stay online. And we'll see, we'll see if um, the others are still on. Do you want to check? I may have knocked out the others now. Laurel, are you there? Yeah. This may take a while to do this class. New experiments in modern technology. I've, I've been, I'm often in places where the, the Skype drops off so often it wouldn't actually even be worth having a class. Whether it's in a retreat center or where I'm at home, it just the trees move like this, and it's, it's, all, it's all, just if there's any wind. It's 
since she's added to the uh, to the group. No, okay. she's not. Um, yeah, I, I suspect the the signal's not very much better. Then. And you're not sure that's. I will carry on. Okay. Let's see if she is. Is there, is there a green light on it? Yes. Yeah. Do you have any questions so far about sealant while we're, while we're waiting? Pause. Anything at all? An indirect question. Yes. Yeah. Um, with all the practice of traveling and listening, contemplating, and meditating, yeah. am I clear on the difference between contemplating and meditating? Ah, very good question. Uh, contemplating is more the act of. Um, Moving something over in your mind, over and over, soaking it in. And letting it come in by reading, by hearing. And then it's more of a, um, not so much thinking. Letting it, letting it come in. Letting it go in by repeating it over and over and over again. And then just, just sitting with it. This is a, it's an art. It really, it's really an art. It's not something that's easy to describe what contemplation is. There's really no word contemplation in the Eastern tradition. We have in the Western tradition. We make a difference between concentrated meditation for purposes of having a clear, a radiant uh, mind. But contemplation in the, in the Western tradition is what you do when you have a clear, radiant, concentrated mind. You can study really well. You can, you can probe. So Namjir Rinpoche often used the word contemplation for meditations like uh, Mahamudra, where you're, you're, actually, you're actually studying something. Hello. You're, you're, we're talking about contemplation and meditation here. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Where the, the, the contemplation is a study... But it requires a, a calm, clear, resplendent mind, which comes from meditation. So there really isn't an equivalent word in the East for contemplation. It's all one word, meditation. Yeah? But really, vipassana would be, vipassana or penetrative uh, insight would be closer to contemplation or some of the meditations that are taught in the tradition of uh, Mahamudra Zogchen, which are meditation, but one is actually studying the mind. And it's often very good to take instructions and read them over and over and over. You're not so much working to concentrate the mind and have a continuum of clear states. That's training. Now you're using that training to explore. Clearly, clearly explore. And this is, this is what I mean by, co by contemplation. It's what uh, Namjir Rinpoche uh, would mean by contemplation. But it's not used very much by Eastern teachers. They use the word meditation uh, right through. Then they say vipassana samatha. I like the word contemplation because it's a quality um, which, which Eastern teachers do a lot, which is the freedom to um, um, discover, explore by hearing and reading and understanding and then being with it. It's an art. And I, I know certain beings that have this art really well developed, which is you trust that your mind is well developed and you let it, you soak it in by reading, by studying, by just being, and then you can be, and uh, you trust that over time it comes, it just comes. This is this is an art. So, uh, so 
in the class, uh, we are fulfilling two things. We're fulfilling meditation and a, a contemplation in the class. By hearing, uh, studying, and listening, we're actually contemplating. Uh, and then meditation is uh, also in the class by being attentive, by being calmly, uh, clearly uh, attentive. I think it's actually good to explain these two things and separate them out. Very important to know, I'm going to go through a list of some uh, meanings of sila, and then I'll turn to uh, Gampopa's um, uh, text, The Jewel Earn Liberation, and start to read through it, um, certain sections. Uh, so the main point, one of the main points, I'm going to go through a, a whole series here of points that are um, important to understand. Uh, sila is about restraining, restraining, uh, boxing in uh, that which is unwholesome and nurturing that which is wholesome. So in the tradition they say uh, understanding that which is to be avoided. So for, for a mind or for a person starting, normally they need help to say avoid that. Why? Uh, don't do that. Why? So you see this with children. Don't do that. Don't do this. Do, do this. Don't do that. And really that's because the adult knows that in the long run, or in the short run, that activity uh, can hurt. That's all. Don't. Uh, so, so we have to see, this is all about karma. Another thing I wanted to point out, especially to the folks in Toronto, is that almost all the teaching is about the study and practice of karma. Causality. And uh, so Sila, again, is the umbrella envelope that says this is the vast study of causality, cause and effect, and it all stems from intention uh, of mind. So uh, some of you received the, uh, um, on Sunday, no, Saturday, Saturday morning, the Refuge, the Precepts, and the Bodhisattva Commitments. Uh, the five precepts is the major uh, route in to study, contemplate, and uh, work on, on sila. Okay. Also, you'll see that sila is one of the elements, one of the three elements of the Eightfold Path, the Buddha said, required for liberation. Um, it, it, is, um, it is the umbrella for complete speech, complete action, and complete livelihood. Okay, so in the Eightfold Path liberation, um, uh, sila is given like a category of which there are three, complete speech, complete action, complete livelihood. So uh, Buddha was very clear on this. If those are missing or they're deficient, there, there just won't be liberation. So people ask me, why am I not liberating? Well, you just you can just say sila, or say the parami. Uh, this is very important. And people, oh, I don't want to hear that, but what meditation should I do? No, no, that's the problem, is meditation flows when sila flows. This is, this is really important. And this is not part of our culture. So this is, only, this is the reason why. Uh, it's not a cultural, it's not a Western cultural strength to teach, promote, grow, develop um, ethical beings of character. Does this make sense? I'm, I'm trying to make a, a, a strong point here the last few days, is th this is not your fault. It's actually a, a weakness now in the Western um, um, the Western culture, 
is that we don't actually promote uh, ethics and the study of ethics and the study of character uh, stemming from motivation. So uh, the, the resultants of having wholesome mind, wholesome intent, plus the wholesome resultants, there is a word which I use a lot, and it's used a lot in the teaching, which people keep saying, what does it mean? This word is merit. And the, the word in Sanskrit is punya, P-U-N-Y-A, um, punya, or in um, Pali, P-U-Spanish-N, Spanish-N, a, punya. Uh, this word, people keep saying to me, what's, what's merit? What's merit? Merit is exactly what happens with uh, good character. Uh, strong, wholesome motivation leads to strong resultants, which means one stores a storehouse, a large house full of gifts that one can draw on uh, anytime for meditation, for study, for uh, being with people, uh, for going to a party, uh, for going to a potluck, um, for uh, walking down the street, for um, things that happen that one is unexpected, um, uh, suddenly being mugged, can happen anywhere, yes, anywhere. Uh, something that is, we call bad happening, and how does one react to a given situation is one storehouse of merit, that's all. It's very simple. It's not, not complicated. The storehouse of merit is actually what prints out at the very moment of a happening. Right now, all of our storehouse of merit is printing itself out. Did you follow? Right now. And it's, it's so fast. It's like this. It just happens like that. It's so fast. And one goes, why did that happen? Why is this happening? Completely to do with the storehouse of, of meritorious um, moments of activity. This is really true. So uh, it's, it's deep. So uh, also when we look at the um, meaning of, of, of a punya, uh, merit, uh, we see a beautiful thing, a strength, auspiciousness, and fruitful. Because the merit one builds through sila is a fruition of all the habit patterns but it's what's called in the tradition auspiciousness. So we say, idante punya, punya, power, merit, punya kama, we actually mean merit, which we mean by that auspiciousness. And sometimes we say, for instance, sarvamangalam, much auspiciousness, much many blessings, auspiciousness. So the word blessing is actually auspiciousness. If you say to somebody, many blessings, you're wishing for them to have auspiciousness, which is lots of merit, lots of merit. And that is why the extraordinary foundation practices uh, in the uh, tantric tradition is uh, one of the reasons is to build extraordinary merit for full Buddhahood. Not just to be good, which is great, but to actually build tremendous strength uh, um, to, to uh, be fully liberated. And then the fruition uh, is there. Uh, also, these are fundamental things, which some of you know and which some of you don't know. Uh, traditionally, from the Buddhist time, the whole path of liberation is divided into three sections, starting with sila, uh, a good conduct, uh, and the, um, the understanding of good conduct, and then samadhi, which is mental, 
concentration and, and calm abiding, clear abiding. And the third is uh, uh, Panya, is different than Punya, P-A, Spanish N-N-A, uh, or in Sanskrit, Prajna, lots of words for you, Spanish word, uh, lots of um, Sanskrit words. Uh, this word means, is usually translated as wisdom. Okay, so that's the path. And how's the path start? Sila. So another thing that I've said repeatedly, uh, as Namjoon Rinpoche would often say, uh, lack of awareness is lack of sila. Straightforward. The greater the awareness, the greater the insightful awareness, not just presence, which is good, but insightful awareness, recollection, the greater the sila. You'll see uh, your effects on other beings. So uh, for those folks in Toronto um, who are coming on, the Buddha taught two ways. It's very confusing, it, confusing to some people, and it actually is even in commentaries, is the Buddha taught two different ways depending um, to the audience, as uh, many, many teachers do. Um, one is um, study the activity, and the other one is study the motivation or intent. It's much harder to look at the intent and the motivation because it requires a level of sophisticated awareness and practice to look at the intent. It's much easier to look at the action. That's bad. Don't kill. Well, what about this? No, just don't kill. But what about that? Don't have any false speech. But what if I, what if I, what about this situation? So the Buddha taught in two different ways. And of course, in the Abhidhamma, it's extremely sophisticated. Abhidhamma has uh, meditations in it of the Paditya Samapada, which I gave you an introduction to, the cognitive uh, way in which activity is built and resultants are built. And then the seventh book of the Abhidhamma is devoted to what's called the Patana, which is called causal relations, which is extremely sophisticated interpenetration of all um, events and actually sorting that out. It's amazing. And this leads, of course, to great uh, understanding of, of emptiness. So another thing I want to point out is that the practice of sila uh, will and should, you'll know the results, it should continually, if you practice it and you understand it, it should weaken away the three roots, the three poisons of greed, hatred, and delusion. It should weaken it. So that what that means is every month or every couple of months, one should be actually quite happy and go, this is, this is the path. There's a little less greed. There's a little less anger. There's a little less frustration. There is a little less dullness in my life. A little, right? Not just suddenly all gone. We're, we're, we're very impatient culture, so, you know, what's the magic pill? So it's all gone, just like that, right? Uh, but it has to be eroded away through changing one's understanding of intent. Action won't do it. Action helps create a straitjacket. How's that? <clears throat> a mold, a straitjacket. Don't do the following. Okay, I won't. But the minute something new, a variation on, on the theme uh, crops up, then what's going to happen? What do I do? Oh, I did that. How come it's bad? Because you don't understand actually what's behind it. 
So then you have to create another rule. Well, no, don't do that. So if you look, go to a corporation, big corporation, maybe like telecom here, or a big university like the University of Auckland, you will probably find, or maybe uh, at the airport or, or, or all the New Zealand airports, you'll find there's a policy manual. Is that correct? And how big is your policy manual? Mike? It's actually it's quite small. Well, it's quite small. <laughs> That's a very good sign. Where I worked at a college, uh, our policy uh, manual is about this thick. I was on the policy committee. It's about this thick. And uh, when I started another place, it was this thick. It's very thin. And as people made a bad mess of things, we had to create a new policy that said, you can't do this and you can do this. Why? Because there's no natural understanding. So I've seen policy manuals this thick. Nobody reads them. That's, that's, that's rule bound. So this is a profound study of what is natural good uh, character leading to natural good results. And uh, where, why it's so compassionate is that one's, uh, one may not know this, and one may not pick this up, but one's uh, activity, karma, uh, has the resultant states on other beings. We also, if I may make a political comment today, a little bit, we live uh, very much within a time, they used to call it the 80s, the me culture, which is, I really don't care what the effect is of myself on others. Uh, it's, it's about me. I want to be free. I want to have my own experiences. But actually, this is a very new thing, which is, um, and you see what's effect on the ecology, you see its effect on, on our planet, uh, is terrible. The, um, the destruction, which is, I really don't care what the effect is on other people, it's about how I feel. And, and this is all about compassion. Sila is all about compassion, seeing its effect on, on other beings. And it is said, for instance, that the perfection of sila through the ten wholesome actions or the five precepts is called a mahadana. There's another word for you. Great dana, great generosity. So uh, sila, having a wonderful storehouse of merit, uh, is called a great gift for all beings. Mahadana, great, great uh, uh, a gift. which is compassionate. Now, um, it says in the Vimuti Maga, the quote, the, uh, if you want to ever look this up, page 189, the Vimuti Maga, the Bodhisattva and the Mahasattva develop loving kindness for all beings for the sake of benefiting all beings. And this is now um, about virtue, about Tasila. They cause separation from suffering and do not lose the faculty of truth. That's really the heart of it. So this is, this is the heart of it, passed down in the oral tradition from the Buddhist time. It's two things. Sila must sever or uh, cut the, um, the uh, suffering states. If it's not, it's not sila. This is how you know. So as Namjoon Rinpoche once told us in a class, when I asked him, how do you know whether the, the activity that you're doing is a really true good activity. He says, look at the results, which may not bear fruit for a long time. Not immediately, bear fruit for a long time. Do you understand? We may not be able to see it now, but in five years, one year, two years, you can actually see it bear fruit. So 
if it's not breaking the pattern of dukkha, of dissatisfaction and suffering states, it, it, it is not sila. This is really, really important. And then number two, one does not lose the faculty of truth. That is, one doesn't lose the faculty of the empty uh, nature freedom of, of, of um, all, all phenomena. So as soon as you uh, lose sila, you'll also lose your direction in, in the understanding of Dharma, remembering that Dharma uh, is the understanding of what is um, the uh, true nature of, of phenomena, self and others. And then it says in the text, it is like the relation of a father, very, very old-fashioned for those um, folks here. Yes, this is, this is very old-fashioned. It's, it's almost 2,000 years old. It is like the relation of a father to his children, the instructions on compassion. Uh, the loving kindness is traditionally the mother, uh, and uh, traditionally then it's the father that imparts uh, this uh, skill of, um, uh, of compassion. Thus they fulfill the perfection of sila. Okay, so that's a little, that's a bit of a, an introduction uh, to it. It's vast. It's not something you're going to uh, complete necessarily in this next uh, uh, four days. It's, it's really a lifetime of, of, of practice. It's really hard. Our habit patterns are really deep. That doesn't mean you give up. It just means uh, you have to be aware enough to see how you're changing and what needs to be changed. We all have to work on that because it actually makes the Dharma real as opposed to this all the time. Here, here's, a, here's a great line if we can actually adopt a line from Karen Horney about anxiety. You know, If I stay in meditation, nothing could go wrong. Should we make some lines up that Karen Horney never did? Okay, right out right of her textbook on anxiety, uh, psychoanalysis of our time. Um, if I stay in meditation and have a quiet mind, nothing could go wrong. So I will stay here. If I meditate and don't think of anything and don't speak, then nothing will go wrong with people mad at me or habit patterns that are unfortunate. Did you follow? This is called the sin of quietism in the Christian mystical tradition. And in the Buddhist tradition, it's called the sin of nirvana or not the sin, the lack, or the misguidedness of straying into nirvana because you're doing this all the time. Nothing could go wrong. I'm holding everything at bay, and uh, when I leave the meditation cabin, they're wrong, I'm right. Right? Is that familiar? No, they're all wrong. They've got to be wrong. But, uh, so, so, uh, the spiritual path is not just being in silent meditation. It is meditation and contemplation. Uh, everything we do, we have to look at our mind. So we see the big Tibetan texts of mind training. Mind training. Everything is our mind. Why? Everything flows from our mental intent. You can meditate all you want. It's there for a reason to make you have clear mind states. But if the, if the intent is not cleared up, the path cannot be fulfilled for liberation. Is that, is that fairly clear? I think this point is missed sometimes. So then, then we see, oh, Buddhism is a morality thing. Yeah, it actually is. 
actually all of dharma is completely about morality because uh, uh, if the ethics isn't there, simply the path can't be fulfilled. Make sense? Yeah. So it's not a morality. It's not, not beating up. It's just simply saying, this is a huge meditative challenge and wonderful to be able to take all those habit patterns and move them in a clear, beautiful direction for oneself and others, which means uh, less harm. So it goes this way. Less harm, more awakeness. Less harm, more liberative states. Less harm, uh, moving towards, uh, moving from, uh, with, may all beings be well and happy. May I be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy to what? May I be completely liberated. May all beings be completely liberated. Does it make sense? That's beautiful. And it's a process. <coughs> Bless you. It's a process. A process by which we, we uh, develop uh, character. Uh, any questions so far? So, oh, I wanted to point uh, something out to those that are uh, practicing or about to practice, and those in Toronto uh, who are, uh, and here, that are practicing the Yangzab, uh, Drikong Yangzab, Zogchen uh, Preliminary um, uh, Foundations and the Vajrasattva. Uh, al almost all of this is about karma. I'm holding up the text. This is about karma. And uh, everything in, almost everything in here is about developing a being of, of nobility, Vajrasattva, or Guru Rinpoche. So this is the tantric approach, which contains the Hinayana, the Mahayana, and Vajrayana cycles of teaching, but contains it all as a way of developing a tremendously strong merit character with tremendous awareness. And that's why uh, in the Vajrasattva section, of the Yangza practice, uh, there is a very long, extensive confession section. Sounds very, very Catholic. Confession section, which would be done about now uh, in your church, but uh, it's very extensive because it goes through all the kinds of major activities and intentions that were engaged in at the Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana level that go wrong. And it's actually really good to have something that reminds us over and over again. Oh yeah, you know what? I'm still doing that. Oh yeah, actually I do that really well now. It's good. Not just negative. Wow. You know what? I do that really well. That's actually quite skillful now. Before it wasn't. <laughs> Today it is. So that's why I, I like this long confession section. Uh, to yourself. To Vajrasattva. To Guru Rinpoche. Uh, which is um, to the to the Lama's mind, to the, the Buddha's teacher mind, which is uh, going through step by step by step and actually helping one look at one's uh, conduct, which is, of course is motivation intent. This is beautiful. We need so we need a helper. We need somebody, something to help us, and it can't always be the teacher uh, with you every moment. So one needs uh, something to refresh our memory as a guide and go, okay, wrong, not so good. Oh, pretty good, not so good. Beautiful. It's the power of this. The power of this over and over and over and over and over.
I don't think Westerners, am I correct in this? I don't think Westerners like to be told good or bad and moral and morality. Is this correct? I don't don't think so. I don't don't think a Westerner wants to be in an audience being told by a teacher or by a priest or a rabbi or anybody else, this is right, this is wrong, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. But you see, the teaching, the, the deep teaching, is not so much that, but the five precepts, which is training, is look to your intent and your life will be good. Look to your intent and straighten it out and your rebirth will be good. Tomorrow will be better. A good example would be, let's all go out to um, a place for ice cream and coffee. Okay? It's now 5 o'clock in the afternoon, oh, or 7 o'clock. Let's all go, which I did the other day, let's all go to an ice cream parlor and have some ice cream. And the habit patterns come in, and instead of having one scoop for you, right, you have three or four scoops, and the next morning or that night you uh, have a very, very uncomfortable body because it's actually not suitable for your body. Do you find it? See what I mean? So one actually has to want, look at one's motivation, one's habit patterns. You see? Whereas a child, as we saw, cannot control themselves. They have giant saucer eyes, and all they want is more. They want everybody's ice cream, not even an understanding of causality whatsoever. Right? And uh, they're, they're going to feel awful. So this is not just ice cream. This is everything. And, of course, if we understand the whole basis of Tantra and actually the Buddhist teaching, the human being is a desire being. It works on a reward system. Everything we do is about, am I getting a reward? I want something out of it. Right now, you want something out of it. I, I have some, I've had people put their hand up, literally in a class, and go, what about my emotions? Talk to me about my emotions. Wow. That's because they want a reward. I came for the class. I want a reward for me. But we do this every day, all day long. Hmm? Sila is actually physically, we, don't, we think it mental, we physically straighten out the reward system. What, what, what becomes the reward? What becomes the glorious reward when we practice Sila? Beautiful. What is it? Compassion. We see the effect of compassion. More and more, every engagement is a engagement, a theater play. You know, theater play, display a conjuring trick of what? Compassion, compassion, compassion. This is when you really know that sila has now been developed because everything is an opportunity for compassion. Not contrived, not weird just natural uh, compassion for all beings in, in what is appropriate. In that sense, when we talk about sila that way, then sila becomes what? Sila becomes generosity, dana. Sila becomes patience. Sila becomes, what else? Energy. Sila becomes meditative concentration. And then sila becomes wisdom. So once sila is developed, it becomes everything. Once generosity is developed, you can't help but develop sila. 
So if you want to know what this is doing for you, it's a giant karmic reconditioner. It really is. It's, it's like putting someone into a machine, you know. My karma is not very good. I'm having a real hard time in life. And they're... Because some people like that. I don't want to do another Vajrasattva meditation. It's really hard. Exactly. Right? Is that right? Do you get that? Every once in a while? God, this is hard work. Well, it should be because actually this is Buddha karma. This is Buddha karma. Effortless, spontaneous realm of Sambhogakaya. Buddha karma. And, and what are we? We're fighting for dear life for our habit patterns. Does it make sense now? So this addresses the letter that this addresses the letter that Shalan wrote for you. Hmm? Is what's happening in the dwindling away of people that are practicing the extraordinary foundation practice and things like that. And it happens to all these different groups. Is if you practice this as liturgy as a Westerner, if you're an Easterner in your temple, you can practice for 20 years. You never even know what it means. Bless their hearts. By the way, I'm not being negative. It's beautiful. They're supporting everybody. They have a different view, right? I, I perform this liturgy. I'm supporting, even if I don't know what it means. I'm there for the whole monastery. I'm there for the, the, uh, the tulku. I'm there for our teacher. I'm there for the whole community. And it doesn't even matter if I know what it means. It's just beautiful. It's good. You see? That doesn't work for Westerners. Right? And the inner meaning of this, the meaning that's taught uh, at an inner, inner level, is to change the entire karmic patterning towards what? Buddha karma. So we're not uh, just uh, this. We are actually this plus a plus of Vajrasattva, the nature of the Sambhogakaya uh, of, of a Buddha's mind. And that's why people get tired of doing this, because they actually don't understand the Dharma. So I'm writing a letter, by the way, to, to you and Shalan, all of you, because you're asking about this, is this is a common problem, is why do Westerners get, uh, after a while, they get tired of doing this? Because they're forgetting that this is actually a refresher of the entire three turnings of the Buddha's teaching, and it's a giant karmic reformer into Buddha karma. And if you know what's going on with these texts, you love them. You just go, this is beautiful. I don't even know what's going to happen today because it's Buddha karma and my karma is a human karma. And actually, I'm going to get digested uh, in the stomach of Vajrasattva or Guru Rinpoche. Did you, did you get an idea? That's like going into one of Namjur Rinpoche's classes. Who knows what's going to happen? We're walking into Guru Rinpoche's class and we don't actually know what's going to happen today. Right? Is this correct? Yes? This is actually walking into the digestive stomach of a Buddha. And you just don't know what, how it's going to spit itself out. Hmm? Which is always a wonderful experience. wonder which way this class is going to go. Why? Because he's actually there to straighten out the karma, not give a direction for meditation. Does this make sense? So he's teaching meditation, but actually right in the class, the art is to clear up the karmic patterns in the class. This is why the class becomes, in a sense, the supreme meditation. It's why the history of Dharma is, is liberation upon hearing. Karma. Just karma. It's the only thing standing in the way, is karma.
can make this a short class. It's almost a good place to end it. And then tonight, which you won't be there for, tonight is, uh, we'll do a little reading uh, from, from um, Genpope. Any questions so far? I've repeated myself a lot because this is such an important point that gets missed, that, that um, it almost could be taught every day. And I, and I, I really have to say, looking back, uh, my uh, time with Namja Rinpoche was mostly this. He said to me, don't worry about the meditation. You know, imagine at the, at the age of like 17, when I met him, Mark, don't worry about the meditation. Uh, but sir, it's all about meditation. No, don't worry about the meditation. Right, Sila. It's this parami. Therefore, when you have a great storehouse of merit, meditation is just here, do this. And it unfolds. Here we're trying to do it backwards, as backwards. We want to meditate before we actually develop the storehouse of merit. My teacher wouldn't even let me meditate. If he caught me meditating, he'd always get me doing something. Right? Why? He wanted the merit strong. And he always said to me, don't worry about it. Meditate. But if, if he found out I wasn't, he'd, he'd tell me off for not meditating. Okay? But, but the meditation becomes really effortless once the sila is strong, once the merit is strong. And once you understand that, uh, it's not that you don't meditate, but you understand why your meditation isn't uh, fully endowed, because the actual parami and the, the sila is, is, is weak. It is said if the sila is strong, it's, it's, it's really effortless. Yes? Um, just with a bit of clarification, so I'm a bit confused. So, um, like, I've learned, like, to say, like, not putting good and bad, not do, putting stuff in category, like, this is good and this is bad, and you're saying that that's good, this is bad. So, who, who, who did you, where did you learn that not to put things in categories? Um, just on my personal journey, like, I'm not sure. That's right. And even among many Buddhists, the interpretation, because it's more advanced, is don't make any judgments. Uh, let your mind be free. Uh, judgmental, judgmental is bad. Um, dis, uh, distinction is bad. Making categories is, is not Buddhism. This is completely wrong. This is utterly wrong. The training of, of any... Uh, training in, in Dharma, you have to actually study the Dharma, is all about distinction, about what to avoid what to reject and what to adopt. That is based on clear understanding of intent and judgment. So this is a misunderstanding of Dharma. It may be the way it is for some other spiritual paths, but Dharma is extremely clear on this point right from the very beginning. It's the distinguishing ability. This is wholesome. This is unwholesome. This is good. This is bad. This leads to liberation. This doesn't lead to liberation, and it's a study, it's a practice, and then eventually, when we come to meditation on mind, we also have to drop all judgments. So in the beginning, we need to develop good judgment. In the end, we need to drop all judgment, all stories, all constructions, all fabrications, including good and bad. We have to, as, as it says in the teaching, even the Buddha said this, 
one has to pass beyond the practicing of the good and go beyond the practicing uh, of, the, of the bad. Well, but not the beginning. I think this is a really a, a big problem. At the beginning, you don't do this. At the beginning, you study that which is liberative, that which is freeing, that which is good, and you actually become a good judger. I remember Namjoon Bache saying, this is wonderful, many years ago, saying, okay, folks, you're all a bunch of judges. From morning till night, we're judging everything. Is this right? We do. Whether you think you're not judging, you're judging everything. Everything's divided up into, uh, unconsciously, if you wish, good, bad, right, wrong, higher, lower. Yes, we do this all the time. Our speech, our mind, we constantly do this. So if we're judges, which is actually how our nervous systems are built, right? And here's another one for you. We're all manipulators. That is a manip that's called in, in uh, engineering, right? It's a manipulator. You just say, you know, hand, they use the word manipulator. This is a manipulator. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. We manipulate all day long. The word manipulation has a bad a connotation to it. The word judgment has a bad connotation. Unless you have a, excuse me, <clears throat> a really good judge in a court and you say, oh, thank goodness for a really good judge. Do you follow? Yeah, because the man, the, the woman or the man is actually really intelligent. I think we should all pray really hard for good judges, good judgment. Yeah. We're judges and we're manipulators, so why don't we get good at it? That's all. Instead of saying bad, we shouldn't judge. Get really good at the art of judging. Get really good at the art of manipulating. We're going to do it anyways, and we're built that way. You know what I mean? We're built that way? We're built. We're built. We, we do things. Right? We, we manipulate things all the time. To, for what? Our advantage, for our reward. Then what we do is we keep clarifying. We keep clarifying the wholesome aspect of judgment. We just get better and better and better. Then eventually, to actually experience the nature of mind, what do we do? We have to let go of all judgment, uh, all clinging to this or that, to let the mind of non-clinging awareness come through. But it rests on what? Really good sila, cool room. Otherwise, it's too hot. It's always bubbling. Like hot pool, Rotorua hot pool. So this this is this is a cultural and misinterpretation of of, of the Dharma. We start with really good judgment uh, for a long time, and actually, <coughs> most teachers will teach uh, not just for a long time that one actually has to safeguard one's. Um, sila and uh, judgment for, for the whole path until there's complete uh, full freedom natural freedom one doesn't even have to think about it it's complete spontaneous it's natural and then we have what's called ultimate um, bodhicitta ultimate uh, sila ultimate uh, parami because it's absolutely flowing from the pristine purity of the mind and there doesn't have to be any single thought about it the only judgment comes in with compassion. How? 
how to express it, how to express it, how to express it. And this is causing a lot of pain and, for, and confusion for people today. I think the reason why, um, from what I understand, it was similar is that we already, we always judging ourselves, saying I'm good doing that, I'm bad doing that, so we try to stop doing that. Yeah. So it's actually yeah. affecting you, yeah. saying that uh, yeah. a lot of negative stuff about yourself. Yeah. And some teachers are teaching this way because in the West, there is so much negativity about the self, unworthy. I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. So some teachers are teaching things in a very positive light to try to take away the hurt of framing uh, sila in a, in a negative way. Don't do this, don't do that. Uh, I'm a bit concerned because um, I can see why that's done. But it can also, this is just my opinion, so I'm very careful. I'm being recorded here in video and on the tape, and you're also listening, uh, is, is my feeling. I'm just going to give you my own personal view. Okay? Uh, is it's very good to let people know the seriousness uh, of the uh, intent and the motivation, the action, in black and white, in very clear terms. Uh, this is actually unwholesome. Instead of, if we do this, all is good. I, I, I have my doubts about, it opens too many doors of, uh, you know the word in, uh, I don't know what it is in French, lax? Lax? Too easy. Too... But there are times when you have to say to somebody, stop beating yourself up. It's very easy though if you say that, then someone says, I don't have to now care about my effect on myself and others. It's just okay. But actually, it isn't okay. So, this is this is where I'm coming from. Actually, I've come the other way. I've come from many experiments in my life with teaching, and I've come around to, uh, like my root teacher, it's not okay. It's killing people. This is actually killing people. And to say it's actually okay not to judge, I believe is causing more hurt. But... When a person is weak and doesn't feel worthy to say that their morality is, morality is not good or their discernment is not strong or they're doing some bad things, the instant thing that a Westerner does is go like this with a knife. What do they, what do, they do with a knife? <laughs> That's what they do automatically. In retreat, in a Dharma class. So if I say in a Dharma class, um, we are lacking merit. What's the automatic thing the Western mind does? Hmm? Feel bad. Why? Why does the Western mind, in a Dharma class, when one says, this is what we need to do, we actually have poor habit patterns, what is the one of the automatic reactions in a, in a uh, Dharma class? A psychologist over there? Shame. Thank you. Thank you for your shame. Shame is a feeling you don't know why you feel bad. At least with guilt, you have something that happened. Shame is just a cultural feeling of, I'm really bad, aren't I? <coughs> I've done, something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. Is this right? Just, ugh. <coughs> just kind of a, ugh. So I know that some people, when they hear the pure teaching of Dharma, they're very elated to hear about liberation, but they're not happy to hear that they're actually leading unwholesome lives. Don't tell me I feel bad. That's from shame. 
and we don't even know what it is. We think it's us. What did I do wrong? Yeah. This is why you should really watch the movie Wayne's World <laughs> with Mike Myers, Canadian actor Mike Myers. Why? In there, he, uh, he is, uh, wants to be Alice Cooper. He wants to be like Alice Cooper, the rock star. Yeah, Alice Cooper. Sandra doesn't know Alice Cooper. I can't believe it. <laughs> but, but he wants to be Alice Cooper. And he bows down, you know, uh, uh, to it and goes, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Not even a god or not even, a, you know, somebody like a teacher. It's Alice Cooper. I'm not worthy. And I like that scene because it says something about our culture. Underneath our feeling of superiority and titans of the world, the Western titans of the world that know everything, we're actually feeling unworthy. It's a good movie. It's a good Dharma movie. Right? I'm unworthy. If you felt worthy, you have great character, and there, therefore you have an Aryan character, which is just naturally humble, knowing that you're strong in the world. Strong, strength. This is why character is number one. Character. Building character. Less important is it to have fantastic meditative experiences, better to have strong character, good character. You know why? Because that's what everything flows from. How would you describe that? Richness of wholesome activity. The, the display of wholesome activity in the picking up of the book. The opening of a book has character, rich, rich, wholesome character. The speech is speech to liberate and be compassionate and kind to beings. The walking shows character. The turning the head shows character. The attentiveness placed on another being shows wholesome character. The love for all beings shows wholesome character. The reading, the taking up of a book, right? Taking up a book shows, just in the holding of a book and the reading of a book, shows wholesome character. How does it flow? It flows from the intent. Is it contrived? You know, is it fabricated? Yes, maybe in the beginning, but eventually it should not be contrived. It should not be an act. It shouldn't be a play. It should be just a naturally effortless, easeful, relaxed openness about doing things that support everybody. That means the self the self view gets freed up. Just gets freed up. This is Sila. This is all about Sila. So what to work on today? Tonight we'll we'll have to come back. Well, tonight we'll come to Gampopa's uh, text. Um, and if you are if you want to stay up till about uh, one or two o'clock in the morning, you can join us. Uh, I think that's about right. Something like that. Or maybe or maybe later, three o'clock in the morning. But um, uh, what to work on today uh, then is to um, uh, look at your seal, look at your effect on other beings, but also look at your conduct. So what is it? Uh, most of you receive this is the five precepts. It is is to look at the five precepts. And go. Am I an embodiment of the five precepts? And then do something. Am I an embodiment of the five precepts, which is really good, or the study the the, the ten wholesome activities that I, I gave out, yes, on a list for you, a handout. 
uh, look at those and then go and do something that's wonderful here. We're, we're, we have a, we've got a great yogic situation like you do in Toronto, is go out the house and a walk to, um, um, is it King Street or Queen Street? Walk to Queen Street and walk down Queen Street. Here we can walk into Queenstown, take a few minutes, walk into Queenstown, go for a half an hour walk around Queenstown and go, how was it? How were the five, how was the manifestation of the five precepts and how were the 10 wholesome activities in my being, in my thoughts, in my speech, and in my actions? This is how it's done. This is how it's done. And we can take these exercises. We can go out, down, then you go to lunch. You see it. You see it. And if you study them, you see it. You begin to see it. You begin to see it. Not by controlled actions. Lama Mark, how do we pick up that cup, that class, like this? <laughs> There's 40 moves required to pick up a glass exactly correct. 40 moves, by the way. Not 39, it's 40. This is, this is crazy. So you'll get crazy. But actually what you do is go, was that in accordance with the five precepts and the ten wholesome activities. That's all. That's all. When we talk this morning, we had to talk about somebody this morning. Uh, so to we to make sure it wasn't gossip, everything that was uh, discussed this morning about a potentially difficult situation was about compassion and about making sure the outcome is a good outcome for 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 everybody. Does this make sense? Consciously, so so that the speech is clean, it is wholesome, it's supportive, and it's compassionate. Did you follow? Consciously. 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 Let alone the monster of unconscious <laughs> things underneath. So uh, to do no harm. To do no harm but be supportive of, of all beings. So this is this is it. So you can you can then say to yourself, I went into Queenstown to buy uh, a Coca-Cola was I supportive for the clerk? I was saying yesterday, how many people are supportive for the immigration officers at airports? When you go through, are you there for yourself or are, there, are you there for the immigration officer? They're in a state of fear. Many of them. They're in a state of anxiety. They actually just want to feel good. So are you there for them or are you there for yourself going, you know, I've seen people you know, at an immigration booth, really getting into trouble with the immigration office because it's all about them. They don't realize there's someone there who's actually really in a state of anxiety. Right? So what are you doing for the clerk in the local store that's selling you the Coca-Cola? Are you there for them? Or are you there for yourself? Are you there for both? Are you doing something for them that actually helps them have a better day? They may even tell them, the Coca-Cola is expired. That's that's also. The package of food is actually expired. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? And cut through their anxiety. This is all sila. It's all sila. It's all training. Therefore, we free up all of our clinging. We free up our clinging. So it's not so much about us. It's about how do we affect everything in the world in a wholesome way. This is sila. Then when you meditate, you'll feel good. It's called loving kindness. It's just
we feel good. There's no disturbance. So, so you build up a storehouse of undisturbed energies. A whole storehouse, a whole house uh, mountain full of undisturbed energies that are doing what? They're just bubbling to surface. What can I do for other things? That becomes the bodhisattva mind, even while you're meditating. This is for all sentient beings. What about me? We forget about it. It's all about other beings. Why? We're not anything else but other beings. We're an ecology of beings, as my dear uh, friend uh, Tarshan, right, always teaches the ecology of beings. Yeah? Um, and, and many teachers, so Thich Nhat Hanh and Macy and all the others, right, we're an ecology, and this is now mainstream science, it's right mainstream science, we're an ecology of, of, of creatures, and we're living in a total ecology of other beings, there's no separation. This is uh, confusion, that there's any separation. Confusion is separation. That is none. Are we the same as plants? We're the same and not the same. Am I the same as you? Yes. No. <laughs> and yes. Same, but completely different. Same in nature, different in particularities. A plant is a very different kind of creature, but it's still sentient. It wants to be happy, and it wants to grow, and it wants to fruit, it wants to procreate, and maybe underneath all that, it actually would like liberation, freedom. The essence is the same, but very, very different set of conditions. That makes us the same, and you, there's not one person in this room who is the same at all. You're all different. But underneath, all the same. So at the same time. Right? Same, a different, but same exactly at the same time. No difference. Yes? Maybe some flowers do and some flowers don't. And you also, if you study biology and botany, you will see that some flowers are would actually like to be picked, eaten. Their seeds disseminated. Uh, tomato wants to be eaten. Fruit wants to be eaten. And other flowers don't touch them. Why? It's They're not uh, in a place, they're not in a state to actually be picked. They haven't blossomed or they haven't laid seeds, this sort of thing. If you're, if you're a monastic, a monk or a nun, you are not allowed to eat seeds. The food uh, from the supporters, they actually take the seeds out first. Or they cut the seed, they cut the fruit, so there's no seeds. Why? It's not considered ethical behavior to eat seeds that shouldn't be eaten. And yet some seeds need to be eaten. They won't, they won't uh, germinate unless they're eaten. If they don't go through your intestines, they won't eat. They won't uh, germinate. So the answer is yes and no. Study biology. Study botany. Is that plenty, I think, today? You have your meditation? Really, really, it's beautiful. Just go take the five precepts, take the ten wholesome activities, and uh, use it in an activity, and check it out. Check it out. And don't beat yourself up. So that's number two. Are you hearing this in general? 
is stop self-immolation. <laughs> stop the knife uh, going into the heart center upon every uh, statement of uh, unwholesome or, or right or wrong. You've got to stop that. You've got to go, this is a beautiful challenge. I need to know what is wholesome. I need to know what is unwholesome. This is why I teach this way. Okay, and this is, this is why I teach this way. People, uh, and, and Guru Rinpoche said this, the Buddha said this, we must be able to identify that which needs to be adopted and that which needs to be uh, rejected for liberation. Otherwise, he said, it's hopeless. Actually, he said that, it's hopeless. And all kinds of people going around, you don't need to do that, you don't need to do that. All you need to do is rest your mind. Some teachers teach that way. I teach that way too. When a person is residing in a sufficient sila or in a public talk is giving that kind of teaching and then I have to warn people, if you're ready, practice. If you're not, you're going to be in trouble. So the Dalai Lama years ago pointed this out. These teachings can be dangerous because then what people say is, there's no karma. There's no need to judge. He's going, oh my God, what's going to happen? Well, I've seen this. There's just people going around, it's all empty. It's all one. And they get sick. They hurt people. They don't, it doesn't matter anymore. And, and this is considered um, uh, very, very, very uh, wrong. <laughs> I think that's a sign. The, um, the uh, smokestack... Um, <laughs> The, uh, the ship down at the harbor just went off, and I consider that a sign of enough uh, this morning. Okay. Oh, there's one more question. Yes? Thank you. Uh, I gave that out. Yes, as a handout, Aaron? Yes. Uh, on the first page. So the ten wholesome activities and the five precepts. And uh, so every time you go about to do a major activity, eating walking down to Queenstown, uh, going and having a conversation. Just read them and review them and go and afterwards go, called recollection, sati, how did I do? And was I there for everybody? And so it's beautiful to be able to walk away from a conversation, walk away from a Dharma talk, walk away from being downtown in Queenstown, Toronto, and go, this was good. But guess what? There was three things that weren't, right? The meeting was good, but. The Dharma talk was good, but. My attention was good, but. Here's how I could do better next time. And don't do this. <coughs> don't do that. Oh, I know, I know I'm bad. No, you're good. The root of all beings is good. That's what's underneath. So it's just, as they say, temporarily hidden for a time. We just need to uncover a bit by bit. If we don't identify what it is, we don't uncover. Okay. So uh, your question is important. I know why that's done, why it's taught that way, and actually that can be very, very compassionate with people. Okay? So, but it's not the normal way in which I teach uh, for, for reasons, for, for, for various reasons. And normally what I do is I teach the first way first and the other way second. Okay? So before uh, other teachers, they teach affirmation first, 
loving support affirmation first, and then the details later, the difficult stuff later. I uh, still very traditional, like I feel like I want to teach how it really is, and then sort that out first, which means sometimes fewer students. Why? Students walk away and say, I don't, I don't feel very good about this. But I think it's really good to hear how deep the problem is. You have to actually get real, get real, and go, this is actually big. This is big. It's hurting a lot of people. Then we take it all away. <laughs> Just get rid of it all. Just get rid of every bit of it. Doesn't matter. Okay. Idante punikamang asawakyo hung ho tu. Idante punikamang asawakyo hung ho tu. Idante punikamang asawakyo hung ho tu. By this powerful activity, may it lead to the cessation of suffering for all sentient beings. The asawas, the cancerous states of all sentient beings. And um, may all beings be well and happy, and may all beings be established in a unbroken continuity of perfect freedom, natural freedom, which is the unity of compassion and wisdom, as a beautiful gift for all sentient beings. Sarvangalam, Sarvangalam, Sarvangalam. So thank you very much. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity also for this being to keep reviewing this and teaching this because uh, you're, you're also helping me. It's great, eh? You're helping me. I help you, you help me, just being able to um, um, explore this with you uh, it, it is, is profound, profound. So uh, thanks, folks. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Uh, <coughs> and uh, looks like you've got some sunlight coming in through the back window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Well, keep growing. Oh, look, I think I just saw a, 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 an image of Shelley there. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Shelly. I see the <laughs> Hi there. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Lovely, lovely to see all your digital um, uh, pantagoric images. That's great. Great. Uh, good night. Buenas noches. See you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, bye, Karen. Bye. Bye. Say hello to Rob. Oh, Rob's at the Dharma Center. May they have a good this meeting. Is Brandy. This is Brandy. Ah, hello, Brandy. How come you're not at the Dharma Center, Brandy? You're a board. You're you're a board member, Brandy. Hi, Brandy. We haven't met. Hi, Brandy. <laughs> good talking with you. Wonderful. Take care. Bye, bye. Actually, it's fun. Yeah, it's nice to do. Don't want to do it every single class, but uh, every once in a while, it's nice. People, some of these people have been studying with me for uh, 20, 25 years, 30 years, and and a lot of the people in the room, by the way, are teachers. So so there's most actually a good part of that room are teachers, lovely, right? Dharma teachers. So they have their students, and and uh, Karen was with her student Brandy, who's now on the board, new board, new board of the Dharma Center of Canada. So. It's always good to hear the most fundamental teachings 100, 200, 300 times and understand that this is, uh, uh, it's deep, it's profound. It's profound. So, so I've known these, almost all these people for oh, 10, 20, well, more, 15, 20, 30 years.
wish we could do that with you know, Europe and southwest coast of Canada. And uh, we tried Guatemala, didn't work. And, and Auckland and, and all, all kinds of other places we could do that. And India. That's kind of hard to do. Okay, well, so see you see you this evening at uh, seven. Is there any way we could move it to seven thirty? Would you would you be okay with that? I, I find it's actually a bit early. By the time we eat, and and for them to put a meal together, it's very early in the afternoon, and um, and then by the time I get here. I actually haven't digested my food or even had a chance to um, uh, even sit for a moment. So, uh, so uh, is 7.30 okay? Mm -hmm. And if I don't, if I skip the evenings? I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You getting something out of these talks? In the morning one, at least, but I'll keep this. Okay, good. Thank That's you. wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. I love sharing this with you because uh, I know what this will do. <laughs> I'm a bit like a, you know, one of those African um, vaccinators. You know, the people in Africa go around vaccinating smallpox like this. <laughs> it is said in the teaching of Dharma that we've all, uh, when we were young, had an illness, a viral attack, a viral illness. We just don't know we're sick. So the Dharma is uh, is an inoculation. Uh, against the illness uh, coming again and again and again and again and again, uh, so it is like this is like a large injection uh, of a vaccination or an antibiotic to rid the system of um, cloudy mind that's then been there for so many decades that it feels totally natural. This is this is uh, and this this again is shame because you'll say, oh my God. Why didn't I know this? Well, no, it's not your fault. You have to realize it's not your fault. It's actually the nature of all societies are there for a couple reasons. What's the nature? What do societies do? What do they want? What's the reward for society, a human society? Not to what? What's the number one thing a society is going to do? It wants. Above all else. Every society, ant societies, flower societies, uh, tree societies, human societies, chimp societies, giraffe societies. What is every society's major goal? <laughs> to survive, to make offspring. And that means that you have to socialize beings in a certain way, within a certain culture, to have offspring that behave and follow the rules of procreation. And that's why we don't um, have, um, so, uh, what do they call it, um, adultery. Do you know why there's no adultery? Why is there no adultery in most cultures? It's completely biological. You think it's cultural. Yeah, because the father and mother must know for inheritance, where you put your energy, who the offspring actually belong to. And all studies have shown that when a father is a father of children that aren't his biological children, they do not take care of the children in the same way. It doesn't mean they're bad. They, they can be great. But they never actually invest the same energy. It's biological. So when it comes to inheritance, 
where you put your energy, where you put the wealth, how you continue the family, how you continue the collective um, community, it's all about who belongs to who and where you put your energy. And you don't mess with it. You do not like mess with it. Look, look at the Middle East. You mess with it, you're killed. You're stoned to death. You mess with it at all, you're stoned to death. And it's so strong that women can't even be seen in public, physically. Yeah? And what is that about? It's not about religion. It's simply, I've got to know who the father is. Because everything's based on the children and inheritance of wealth. So when you say, why me? What did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. It's simply how all societies are is they're bewildering because the rules are all about mating. Mating, food, and structure to make the best possible outcome societally. But that's not liberation. Does it make sense? It's about this, but it's not about that. The teaching of Dharma is about liberation. And therefore, the shame is, what did I do wrong? I actually did nothing wrong. You just have to wake up from a collective hallucination that is a society that is determined this is how we feel one should be for the following purposes of eating and mating or getting a job. That's all. And therefore, when it comes to Dharma, it's not always the same. Therefore, we, we train children to be a certain way, to see the world a certain way for a certain society. This is why there's not very many Asians in here. You know, I don't, I generally don't have very many Asian students. Fresh from Asia, that is. Because they actually, I have to teach quite differently for Asians. They're very different cultures, so I have to teach very different. And they don't respond well to this kind of teaching. Not, not this bad teaching, it's just, it's more for Westerners. But this is not necessarily how Asians uh, feel comfortable uh, receiving uh, teachings. Different, different culture. Okay. So same but different. Very same but very different. Okay. See you this evening? We're all... So we'll find out what...